Hey everyone, it's LaShonda and I want to give a spoiler alert. <laughs> we are going to be talking about the movie, The Woman King. And while it is not our intent to reveal major plot points, we wanted to have an authentic conversation about how the movie impacted us. So there are some descriptions and we do talk about the movie in a way that if you haven't seen it, um, reveals some of the major plot points. So here is my disclaimer. If you haven't seen the movie and you really want to see it um, without having any ideas about what is going to happen, this might be an episode you want to come back to. Definitely come back to it, but you might not want to listen right now until you've seen the movie. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode because while all of my episodes are conversations that you get to listen to, uh, my guest and I are going to be talking about the new movie, The Woman King. And um, I have two repeat guests with me. So I have Kara Michelle Pearson, who was on episode 11, uh, titled Creating Space. And I have Deaza Dorsey, who was on episode 115. Her episode was Creating Opportunities. So today we're going to create some dialogue around <laughs> this uh, amazing movie um, that recently came out. So yeah, I'm just excited for y'all to listen to three amazing Black women talk about the impact of a movie that was centered around amazing Black women. So um, I mean, who want to who wanna kick us off? What did y'all think of the movie? We didn't see it together, by the way. So I think that's to note. We all saw it individually. I went to the movies and saw it twice, once with Jay, and once by myself and so yeah like what did y'all think so as you and I have talked about LaShonda this movie for me was very much DNA activating mm. I felt seen I felt um, represented and something within me felt like it really shifted um, I, I'm still trying to figure out what that thing is but I really felt like something was awakened in me at the risk of sounding cheesy. Like I really felt like something was awakened. Mm -hmm. I second all of that. Um, I felt empowered. Um, there was, um, cause I'm a G so I don't do a lot of crying, <laughs> but there, <laughs> there was a part in me though. There was a, a scene where it was just so much, blackness on the screen and just like power on the screen I literally felt I didn't cry but I felt like I could cry and it was um just like watching the women warriors walk down the the street um was just like like look at us like I identified a lot with the movie so um so yeah I thought the movie was great I loved it I too will say um, something got activated. I think prior to going to see the movie, <clears throat> I have this thing where re 
it's not really intentional, but I like move into predictive space. Like I'm going to predict what I'm going to feel or predict what I'm going to do. And when I recognize I am doing that, I try to be like, okay, like come back. So um, at first I was like, oh, I'm gonna go see this movie. And I know I'm gonna like paint something or I'm gonna write something. Like it was, uh, I knew it was going to be powerful. I didn't do either of those things actually <laughs> afterwards, but I did find myself once I got into the movie, recognizing that I was moving ahead of the movie, which is, it's just a thing for me. I'm an anxious movie watcher. Um, and I actually avoid, uh, conflict. <laughs> so if a movie is highly conflictual like sometimes or a show like I won't watch it um it's it's really crazy and so I had to just keep going stop getting ahead stop trying to figure out what's going to happen just be present in the movie much easier for me the second time because at least I knew how it was going to (laughs) end so I was able to actually stay present with it but I agree something um something shifted but Unlike experiences where it's like a light switch, where I can feel that something got turned off or on, this was more like, you know how the earth is constantly shifting, but you don't feel it? Like, it's one of those things where I know something moved, but kind of like Kara said, I like, I can't specifically identify what it is. And I'm kind of okay with that. So I will say, we will do our best not to have too many spoilers, I guess. But I will say, if you haven't seen the movie and you one of those, don't tell me nothing about it, this might be an episode you want to come back to. Um, because as we talk about how we're impacted by it, we, you know, we ain't gonna be able to leave everything out. So um, <clears throat> I will tell you that I can tell you everything that's going to happen in the movie. And I still think you would have an amazing experience going to see it because it's not a thing where it's like, oh, plot twist you know or something like that so you know I also want to say that you know I don't think the experience of seeing it if you haven't already will be encumbered by by listening to to the episode um and in whatever order we do I just know a couple of things I want to talk about in addition to kind of going a little deeper into things that stood out to us I would love for us to talk about like who and what characters and scenes did you see yourself And in what ways? And then I do want to address some of the criticisms that we've heard of the movie and maybe talk about our perspective of those. Um, So where 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 y'all want to go next? So I want to talk about how the king is not shit. He ain't shit. Okay, say more. I want to talk about that. Okay. (laughs) So, because this has been on my soul because I saw it again last night and I, I saw it clearly. So... In the beginning of the movie, when they're talking about um, this tradition that they have of having a woman king and a man king and how they're seen as equal, um, I feel like the king does his best to really try to, you know, bring a sense of of progression and um, a new sort of way of ruling. But I feel like a lot, a lot of times he defaults to misogynoir like he defaults to this um internal need to to prove his power to prove that he's in control um but it's you know it's kind of like one of those fuck boys who thinks he's a nice guy you know um 
so the whole movie he was he was talking about you know um bringing and what what is viola Davis, davis's character's name Aniska. uh Naniska talking about you know bringing her up to the status as the woman king and so and we hear about how you know she fought for his life she made it possible for him to even become king and so you know when it gets down to the wire where she needs to go save some of her people some of her tribe he wants to then you know push his power power and say no, like you stay here and you listen to what I say. And so, um, you know, ultimately we know that Viola Davis does what she goes wants to do, but I just feel like he tries so hard to look like the good guy without giving up some of the quote unquote power that would require to him to actually create change. And I feel like that represents so much of what we're seeing now of like, you know, people that just try to talk about this change, but they really don't want to give up the power that's required to do that. Interesting. So I also want to keep in mind, like we haven't talked about any of this <laughs> beforehand. So she came out swinging like, oh, I did not see that. Okay. All right. Cool. You know, right. and that's okay. I just, um, <laughs> I, I, I had not prepared myself for that. But as you were talking, <laughs> A thought I had though was like, no, so one, I totally see it. Um, and I want to, I feel like while I see all of that, I want to look at the reality of the situation, like paint a, a, a slightly larger picture and then come back to the point that you named. So based on the backstory that was given in the movie, it was suggested that prior to, um, King Gaso, who is played by John Boyega, um, also known as Black Star Wars guy. Um, in case you like, let me go to Google. <laughs> um, his brother ruled before him, right? Obviously, I think we can make the assumption that probably their father ruled before him. So, um, and it was stated that during, you know, there they have this long historical um practice of uh, based on uh, twin gods male female both equal and this was their tradition to have a, a man king and a woman king brother did away with that it sounds like brother was something else in addition to brother not following that tradition it kind of comes out at some point that brother sold mother off into slavery to the Europeans right so brother let's just say brother didn't seem like a nice dude right now this king has taken the throne and he um, he's making some changes. He has this, he's decided and he has said out loud, I want to make some changes. And so he's reinstituting this role of the woman king. And, you know, you can kind of see the, the battle that he's having between what is a really huge force and also lends to some of the controversy that people said they had about the movie, which was I which was this idea that slavery amongst tribes, African tribe African slavery amongst African tribes was a thing, right? It, it, it wasn't novel, it wasn't new. Um that slavery usually looked like indentured servitude or it would they would go from tribe to tribe. If you um lost a war to someone and people were enslaved or taken away enslaved, but it wasn't race-based or tribe-based. 
Um, and it, it was all amongst these different tribes in Africa. So the Europeans come over and um, the Dahomey were making a lot of their riches off of selling slaves, enslaved folks to the Europeans. So you can see throughout the movie that this king is trying to come to grips with this has secured our wealth up to this point but there is pushback from the niska and others that like we we don't want to do this or whatever so i can see him being in this spot i think the point i want to bring up is twofold one sometimes we think change is swift and easy and it just happens and there are a whole lot of singular decisions that go into overall change so i think i have an amount of I don't know, grace that I want to extend the king because I do see that there were efforts of trying. But like you put it, Kara, it was the defaulting to this system that he had been in, this very um, male-dominated, I would say patriarchal, even I don't know if that's the word you would use for them, but in the context of this movie, this patriarchal system the default. So I want to bring that to us. How often do we see things and we go, Ooh, I don't want to do that no more. Like I am now awakened to the fact that a way that I used to think a way that I used to behave, the lineage that I've come from has been hurtful. So I want to do things differently, but how often we forget that that old way of thinking and behaving, we have to practice our way out of that thing. So Mm -hmm. without intention, we are going to default because that is just how the human system works, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, we sometimes, I think a human, we are just, we focus so much on here's this new thing and I want to do it. But in times of stress, in times of distress, in times of danger and threat, the default is the major, like it's going to come through. And that's what I saw in him when he had time to take a deep breath when he had time to be relational, he was able to meet Naniska in, in, in humanity. But when he was hit with threat, wait, hold on. I just declared this thing. We, we, they didn't already started the preparations. What you mean you about to go? Like, I don't know that he took enough time to take a deep breath and go, wait a minute. Not only have you like, been my ride or die for real not only do I trust you not only have you shown me a whole part of our kingdom that I didn't even know existed I don't think he he took the time to see that and so the default showed up are you taking my admiration for weakness that was the line and I I think we we have moments like that right when you reform you doing good and then in a moment you like oh okay well I guess that's still in there. <laughs> oh, those things are still there. So that's how I see it. Like, I I, I agree with your assessment of um, power, use of power, and um, a dominant stance with someone who is afraid of losing power. I also think he didn't just had another tribe straight up come at him in a certain way. And then we got to remember that, oh, European dude, then sat on next to him on his throne and pretty much said, you know how you got rich, keep it up or you're going to be unprotected. So I do just want to put out there that like homeboy was stressed. 
And you know what? You're right. And that's why I love you for like bringing that piece into the conversation. I just think I really identified with this, um, with Nanesca and just this feeling of wanting to, you know, make change and constantly feeling like you're trying to speak the change and, and uh, encourage and push the people in power to do the right thing and not feeling heard. Like I identify with that so much. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I, I felt a way. And, and can, cause, <laughs> cause this is what Shonda does, but like, I want to yes. bring that out. Right. Yes. When we identify and feel a certain way, we come out swinging like he ain't shit. And I was, that's why I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let me lean back y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's okay. Like I, it, but goodness y'all like can we do this can this be a model can can this be something y'all rewind and listen to yeah because in relationships with people we love and care about they get activated they feel a certain kind of way they come out swinging and sometimes like we have these various ways of engaging with folks that are not helpful because I could have been like, hold on, girl, like, no, nah, you know, no, 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 no. I, I hear it. I see it. I validate it. I agree. Can I, can I share a broader picture that I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. I didn't, and all I had to do was just share an additional perspective. Y'all can't see her, but like, I watched her go through these phases of like, mm, okay. You know, like she was thinking, <laughs> of, okay, all right, right. And so I think if a lot of people across the board, but let's go women let's talk about black women like if we had conversations like this man our relationship didn't get disrupted in the process of us having two different perspectives we didn't have two exclusive different perspectives it didn't have to turn into a us against them and then we rope in it well deaza what you think (laughs) like pick a side (laughs) you know like i think that this was a, a beautiful display of how relationships can help people just see different perspectives that they couldn't see before because their narrow perspective was based on where they identified. Mm. Been there a number of times and I'm thankful for the people who it's not about pulling me back. It's about showing a more full picture so that I can make a decision whether or not I wanna be pulled back or not. But I think what you illustrated in this is when we, are in a position that Naniska, Naniska is in. Here is this authority. Here is this person I love, I care about. Here is what I've dedicated my life to. What happens when that stands between you and a decision that you've made? And I think one of the powerful things about this whole thing, okay, she, she didn't waste her energy trying to fight the king. Mm. But she never didn't know she was going, right? How many times we come up against a system and we spend all our energy and effort trying to talk the system down. Instead, she nodded her head and she went and did what she had to do. I think there's a lesson in that too. I'm not about to sit here and try to change your mind because I know you're not going to change your mind, but mine is already made up. So when um, Amenza, her homie, comes in and she was played by Sheila Atim she came and she like what are you doing like you can't go and it wasn't like I'm not about to fight you either she just said listen I figured it out I figured out what I gotta do and what I saw 
was I saw her homie stop trying to convince her not to go and said this bigger this 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 is bigger than just this to sit go right it was like this silent blessing that was given but from the niska it was I don't need your blessing if you understand I hope you do right so all in that I think all of that was super super powerful I um in that same vein I felt um I also connected with um I'm gonna call her Dr. Miss Viola, I don't know if she's real, I'm just saying, because I don't remember her, I'm going to butcher her name in the movie, so, but Viola's um, character in the scene where um, they're, they're going back to the, to the camp, basically, of the, um, I guess, the enemy, for lack of better terms, and um, there's a scene where they, the the one guy's on the horse and he's you know looking around like you know ready to fight and Viola comes in she's standing on the ground and she's standing tall almost to say I'm here and the reason that connected with me so much was because I've been in some positions here recently where I've had to choose to stand tall in who I am and be clear about like it, this is me kind of sparking this change or I could be kind of anonymous and I could go a route of, you know, um, kind of plan the system a little bit, but still maintaining my lack of identity just because I need to, you know, for instance, maybe my bills are getting paid by this system. And so I need to make sure that I'm being political and not being too loud or not coming across as a angry black woman or controversial or all the things the labels that we kind of get so I when when I saw that part I was like nah I need to stand up I need to stand I need to come the way that I am and I need to uh, be bold in that um there's a uh um what is the there's a shirt that I have that says um um oh and I can't even remember what the shirt says so I'll come back to that I'll remember and come back to that but the bottom line for me was um well-behaved women seldom make history that's Mm -hmm. what the shirt says and um you know that that to me that speaks and so to actually embody that like Viola did in that scene where she was like I'm not about to hide because she could have hid she could have act like it wasn't her or her people whatever the case but she stood right in front of him on that horse and was like, it's me. So, um, so yeah, that gave me a lot of, that empowered me um, to stand in some of the spaces that I stand where I may not always feel as confident or, you know, like, like, again, I don't necessarily want the labels or I got to be mindful of who I'm talking to or how I'm talking. No, this is, I can deliver the truth and, and, to still deliver my truth and be and be um feel empowered because I think that that also creates um that allows other people to feel you know the same way that allows other people to kind of you know show up in their authentic self when I know I'm inspired when I see people show up in their authentic self I'm like oh you okay I like okay and so I can show up how I show up um so that was one piece and then really quickly another piece was I'm I really connected with the way that they display femininity to some degree. 
um, I'm not your, me personally, I'm not your traditional feminine woman. Um, but I would, I would seemingly notice how, like, when she would sit, sometimes her legs were like wide apart. You know, the household I grew up in, women don't sit like that. You sit kind of closed, you know what I mean? Your legs close together or you sit up straight. Um, but she was sitting like, like, I mean, like a warrior, like, see me, but yes, yeah, she was sitting, you know, and that, and sometimes I've, what I've noticed that translates to when men sit that way is they, they don't mind taking up space. They feel this sense of, you know, I, I deserve to be here or I'm, I'm, you know, this is just, you know, me. And she sat like that. And I was like, oh, okay. Or sometimes the way that they walked, like they walk with such like, you know, authority. And I was like, you know, this to me, you know, how we, how I've been groomed to, to view femininity, that wasn't the case necessarily, but they were still very, they were just who they were, mm-hmm. you know? And so I could really appreciate that. But um, yeah, those are just two things that stood out to me and that I connected with. Love it. So it brings it to a criticism that I saw, right? I don't, I don't get in the comments too much, period, on anything, because I value my regulation too much and I be getting dysregulated (laughs) but I did see one exactly to your point it was at least a black appearing person on social media so someone posted about the thing like yeah you know people were renting out theaters and stuff and someone commented and said no thanks and it was a black appearing woman that's what you know their profile looked like and someone said well you know can you tell me why And to summarize this person's critique, it was that this movie was portraying or painting Black women, especially dark-skinned Black women, as masculine or like a new man. And um, I try to do all this. I try to practice what I preach. I try to take a deep breath. I try to not close off and determine that I already declared a thing true because then I wouldn't be open and I I tried to be open (laughs) and it didn't get very far open because here, here is my counter critique. I can see their point, but what I also see is that we have been culturalized Mm -hmm. under a very specific set of guidelines for femininity. Mm -hmm. And those are European standards Mm -hmm. in regards to what femininity looks like. And then we have been ascribed values and behavioral patterns and things that feed the systems that tell us what femininity looks like, i.e. the myth that is white supremacy, patriarchy, misogynoir, all these things. And so if your definition of femininity is rooted in oppressive systems, Seeing some badass black women who it, it, um, and, and so I was just like, I mean, they was in crop tops. Mm-hmm. I don't see nothing masculine about that, right? They're in crop tops, their hair. Oh, see, I think what it is, is they ain't need no man to protect them. Mm. They didn't need no man to fight their battle. And I think that all the way from our fairy tales is such a counter narrative that people couldn't put their finger on it. So now we got to, what our brain does is what I call the convenient narrative. 
when we can't put our finger on something, we either go with the thing that we've been told most or the thing that's right in front of us. So people I think are assigning this thing that's not sitting well with them to whatever they can attach it to. So they're, they're painting the masculine. But I think if I were to say, can you describe it? What you gonna? I mean, tell me what it, it, it can't be the clothes, mm-hmm. you know, because I look at their uniform and it looks like a traditional it looks like what we in our culture would call a tra- traditional feminine attire crop tops and a skirt right there they, wh- what can you point to i think deep down it goes to their masculine because they can stand up for themselves because they don't need protection and they're actually protecting other people the thing that frustrates me the most about that deeper meaning from my perspective is people want it from the black woman but you don't want it to look like that so what i mean is when you in trouble who you calling whose house you going to is it your mama is it your auntie is it your girl you know it's getting cold outside so people talking about cuffing season and all this stuff running to a black woman's bed running to a black woman's bank running to all this stuff but when she's portrayed Mm. in media to not need you because we have through we've been culturalized to not need you right but then when you see it on a film all of a sudden it's not sitting right with people right and this is without assigning a value judgment of good bad right or wrong it's just calling it how i see it so this idea that they were masculine because we've been given a very narrow view of femininity to me i just i i just i just don't think that's fair because it it, is it's just not because they they were strong but we strong out here you ain't gotta go see the woman king to come across strong black women but once it's highlighted on a film people take notice and i don't know what the white people say i ain't even checking for them right now because i feel like y'all i got I, I have no interest in what white people got to say about this movie period all the critiques i've been hearing have been coming from people within the black community and that was one of them so the fact that you could name the 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 reflection you saw of yourself not having to subscribe to these particular standards of femininity in order to be feminine i think was huge Mm. i'm gonna take a breath i think i got a little excited (laughs) (laughs) so who did you identify with so Deza, you identify with those parts of the movie. Thank you for sharing. Did you identify most with Viola Davis's character, Naniska? Let me sit with that one. Okay. I'm hey, not no sure problem. off the top of my head who I, because you're right, there were different pieces from mm-hmm. different characters. And that's cool too. So, what yeah. about you, Kara? I'm gonna be a little vulnerable. One of the parts that I really identified with was Malik. Mm. um wait who's that so he was the the brazilian um mixed man Mm. um and i say that because i feel like so i grew up in predominantly white environments and so so much of my younger childhood years was spent trying to be a part of I was around trying to prove that I was you know oh you know like I'm I'm an acceptable one you know like that kind of thing and it really pains me to say that out loud Mm -hmm. um 
but once I started to be, be friends and have more black people in my life and in my circle, like he said in the movie, like I, I saw the majestic, the strength, like in the beauty of black people. And is but my parents definitely tried to instill that in me, but to actually be able to um just be surrounded by blackness regularly was something that I didn't experience until I was older. And so as I've gotten older, I've been examining, you know, what is my role as a black woman, you know in relationship with other black people, like, you know, what, what is my role, you know? So I'm going to leave that there for a second. Um, yeah. Cause I wasn't really expecting that to, to come up for me. Now I appreciate that and the vulnerability of that. And as you talk about it, I can relate to that as well. I mean, I grew up in a very predominantly black city, neighborhood, school, but I was conditioned toward whiteness. And so everything about my upbringing was about being the exceptional Negro, was about leaving where you are and going towards success, which was never in my neighborhood or in a Black neighborhood. It was way out in St. Clair Shores in the white neighborhood, you know, and, and all of those things. So I relate to that a lot. I think a part that I appreciated that felt realistic to me in the movie was at the end, um, going towards the end when Malik had to betray whiteness, when he sat there and there's this person that he's proximate to, he's been friends with since he was a child Mm -hmm. who is white, who had moments before told him, you lucky you ain't on the selling block. And and so you hear that and you might think, oh, that should have been the last straw. But no, when your whole identity is commingled with in the confusion of it all that's not necessarily enough to be like oh I'm done with you but at the end when you know his homeboy who was the same person who talked to the king of the um the Hemi um (laughs) I was like hold on it's leaving um but he gets ready and he like oh we got to get out of here so he he tells Malik to hop in the boat but he is trying to take humans with him as like property and there's his gun he was like what is my gun get in there get in there right yeah and there is a moment where Malik has to make a decision I appreciated that they showed that it had to be a decision that all of a sudden he wasn't just like no I'm riding for these people because I also want to keep in mind that if Malik stays where he gonna fit in you -hmm. know what I mean ain't nobody looking for you you look you look more like the slaver than the enslaved. So I feel like he was caught in this in-between space. And the fact that he did make the decision, um, <laughs> I'm glad that was the decision that was made, but I appreciate that they showed that he had to wrestle with that decision. And I think those of us who have been commingled with whiteness for so much of our lives, those, I'll speak for me, it's decision points. Yeah. Like it's it's never just super say, oh, just this. There, there is a moment. Now, to bring it more plain down other people's street, I think we can talk about like when a promotion is at hand or when your job is on the line. Like sometimes it's not 
as easy to just be like, oh, right. You, you, you get that signal inside of you. Maybe I should say something, or maybe I should call it out. And I think sometimes we have to realize that it is a process to be able to go, I am going to say something, um, instead of just the assumption that, you know, it comes instantly. So I, I appreciate that. I related most with um the character so her name is Amenza she was played by Sheila Atim I talked about her before so I had like I really identify with her so she she was a lot of things in the movie so one she was just a badass warrior unto herself she's very long and tall she fought with the spear you know so she she could hold her own as a warrior But there were the other characteristics about her that made me identify with her the most. One, she was the person who initiated their rituals. So it was almost like she was viewed as like a high priestess of this this group of warriors, of this group of women. And so she, yeah, she initiated their rituals. I, I get that. I identify with that. I am frequently the person who has to be like, let's pause. Let's, let's take a deep breath. (laughs) Let, let's, you know, even if that ritual, it, whatever that thing is, but I think the part I identified with the most is she was the trusted person to those in power. So she was right by Naniska's side. Um, They allude to, so there is a scene where, um Naniska who's played by Viola Davis has a, a nightmare and as she's stirring in this nightmare Amenza shows up and gets her something like something to drink um and Viola was like oh, I hate the drink and she's like the king drinks whatever I give him right so that also lets us know that she has this supporting role for the king as well um and I think I'm pretty clear now that in my life um, I'm probably not going to be the person with my name in lights. I'm not going to be the person who, you know, is the person, but the people need people that they can trust. And I find myself that I'm usually that person. So she gives her this drink, drink it. And then she says, tell me the dream. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. it. loses its power when you talk about it. And I feel like that's my role too. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of weight in decisions and stress for leaders of any kind. And I am a person who comes alongside leaders because they need that support as well. But I think the, the, the biggest part <laughs> was she was the person who was going to call out truth, whether you liked it or not. And she still loved you. So there were multiple times in the movie um, where um, she had to call people out. She had to call out Aniska. The interesting thing um, that I wanted to say, Dieza, about what you said, um, she was standing in her full truth in who she was. What I appreciated about the movie is it showed the evolution of how she got there. Like, yes, she's a warrior and she was fighting all over the place. But when she had to look her trauma in the face, there was fear, there was anxiety, there were all these things. It normalized that even in the main character, even in the strong character. And so there came a point in time where her anger and her rage and the trauma took over. So they had this whole beautiful plan concocted. They were supposed to kick the heads and run. And Aniska was like, nah, like 
I'm about to kill dude. But she ain't tell nobody the plan. So, you know, it all goes down. And when they get back, Naniska gets mad at um, Nawi. And it's like, she going off on her. And it was Amenza who put to the side, said, look, I would never do this in front of everybody else, but you the one who didn't stick to the plan. I feel like that's me as well, right? It's not about putting somebody on front street. You know, I prefer the way that I handle things with people is in private, not for public display, but I am the person that's going to say, I can still love you, but I'm also going to call you out on this. There was another point in the movie when she told her, I'm not your slave. So sometimes there's a point where I got to let people know too, support you absolutely, love you 100%, but you ain't about to talk to me like that. Or you're not about to dictate what I do because I'm here because I love you. You don't own me. You don't dictate how this gift works. And so I just felt like when I saw her character um, be able to be this supportive person, I saw me. I also can say that I realized that I'm not the person with my name and lights, but that's still growing on me because there are times when I feel like I'm working real hard <laughs> and I'm supporting all these people and the notoriety and the acknowledgement and the money and all this stuff seems to be going around me to people I'm supporting. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. But I appreciated being able to see that reflected on the screen because then it 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 took, I, I could see it in a different way. And it helped me to realize that my positionality isn't less than. Um, it's, it's, it's just the positionality that I hold. So I really, really, really um, appreciated that character, her as a character. But I will say one part that I really resonated with Um, was kind of what you might call the climax of the movie where Viola Davis's character is confronting what we might consider the arch nemesis of the film and they go and toe to toe they have fought before she has not won these faults but she is she's standing her ground right and there was a part when she looked at him and she said you might not remember me but like but I'll make it where you won't forget or something And I resonated with that part because I recognize that there are people who have hurt me deeply and don't even remember. Some of the stories that are like people who are main characters in my book of life don't even remember me as an extra. And the fact that someone can cause someone such deep pain and not have a recall, let alone remorse (laughs) we're not even talking about remorse can't even recall that their actions were deeply hurtful I resonated with that very very deeply thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. um the going you asked which one which character for me um and I can't I can't remember her name and I'm not sure that we've even said her name but she was um she was the one that said rule number one listen to mm-hmm. Izogi. okay all right that's Lashana Lynch <laughs> um I like I liked her character I thought that she had a good balance of like she was like fun and funny 
but like also when shit need to get done like she was like the one that was going in there to handle stuff um but she also helped um cultivate the new warriors and so I kind of saw myself in multiple of those aspects where um uh I think like when you get to know me I'm like pretty silly um lighthearted outside of you know when I'm doing my work and doing things you know that I'm that I have passion for and trying to make impact and so um you know I saw that balance and then also um helping to prepare others like that's definitely something that I feel like is you know a calling for me um in the realm of multiple ways honestly but like even in family dynamics of being like the oldest, you know, like the first grandchild and different things like that. Like um, there's, there is responsibility on you there, but still being able to have that balance, like I said, of, you know, just kind of take it easy too. So, um, and then there was a moment where she wasn't as strong when her, I think her arm was broken. They were captured and stuff. And I can see myself in that. Like I was telling Kara, like here recently, I've felt overwhelmed with so many different things. And while I'm not at the point where I feel like I'm just throwing it in the towel, um, I definitely have felt like, all right, I need to take a trip so I can get away. So I can, you know what I mean? Like different things like that. And I feel like um, that moment of her, I don't think it was weakness, but it may have been portrayed as a weakness where she was just ready to kind of throw in the towel. Like, um, I could relate to that. So, um, I think her, I think she's the one that I felt most connected to. I can see that for you <laughs> so much. <laughs> like you were saying it, I was like, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I want to speak to a couple of things that you said. One, that moment. I thought it too. When I went to see it the second time, that scene came and I took a picture of the screen and I sent it to Kara. And I said, sometimes you just need somebody who's going to remind you who the fuck you are. Because that's what I felt in the middle of that scene. I was in the theater all by myself. Like I was screaming, like, I was like, yes, right? So that was the my initial time. Both times I saw it, like, now we just came and was like, you are a Zogi. That's what you said, right? But as you were talking right now, what I'm reflecting on is that's all... That's the only perspective she was given. Mm. Naniska told them being captured is worse than death. You might as well kill yourself. Mm. So when she got captured, her leader, the person she would give her life for, had given her the only perspective on what to do when you were captured. When now we came in and said, we will not. it gave her another perspective so I think that's that is so important too because it's making me think like how often we're only given one perspective and because we love appreciate and and all that stuff the people who've told us that's it but sometimes we got to be open to a different perspective and once she got the other perspective that's all she needed to do to return to self she didn't become somebody else she became exactly who she was. Mm-hmm. I want to add too that when Naniska said that, she was speaking from her own space of trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. So just it just shows on how w- when we act from that place, 
you know, it has, it has, you know, consequences. And so when, when we're taking in advice or information from folks, we have to consider the source and consider where they're speaking from. And that they're not giving you all the information. Correct. Yeah. Because what Naniska didn't say is until she said it to Nawi, they raped me every day, multiple times a day. She didn't give that context when she made that very definitive statement and then walked off after the people she said it to had just risked their lives. Right. So there, when we are in times of trauma, when we are in times of, and we are in times of high distress, things enter our system without filters more than any other time. When we are regulated and we are calm, we have these filters, our prefrontal cortex is in place and we're able to be more rational with the information we take in. But when adrenaline is pumping and when we're in our sympathetic or our parasympathetic shutdown nervous system, things just bypass and start coming in us without that cognitive filter for us to go like, does this make sense for me? Is this truth? Then we don't even know it entered, first of all. Then we get into more times of distress and all of a sudden things start coming up and we like, where did that come from? It came in. You just weren't aware that it came in those of us who are in a position and this is everyone especially if you're in relationships with people but I, I'm talking about myself I'll speak to myself and those of us who have a lot of influence who people turn to us and listen to people who come to us in times of distress are coming to us without a protective filter you in the church, I really need you to hear this. This is why I got a special thing for people who get to speak over the pulpit. Please believe that most of the time, especially for non-regular churchgoers, people are coming without a protective filter because they're in a time of distress. What you say enters directly into them. And when we have these one-liners without context, when we're not meeting people relationally, but we're just trying to dispense blanketed statements, harm we can do harm. And I, I just think that's super important for us to realize that. What I appreciated about the movie and Izogi's character is it highlighted that I'm just going to blanket black girl magic, right? The warrior spirit, the badass, all that stuff doesn't have to be void of relationality. It showed her having relationship across the whole spectrum with the little boy you know as they mark as as the ogoji walk through the city people are not supposed to look at them but the little boy really wanted to see and she walks up and she's playful with him the way she talks to Nawi when she's dropped off you know the way she makes jokes but the way you know she's talking to the ladies as they're training everything about her character was relational and I also appreciated the part where she took Naui to the side and it's like, you know, essentially, look, girl, why are you doing this? Why are you doing the most? <laughs> and she like, she won't notice me. She like, you think she got time to notice you? Right. So are you in a position of power where you don't have time to notice? Then you need a number two who can. I will be realistic that sometimes we will be in a position where we can't be as relational as we want to. If you're the CEO of that business, if you're the, you know, the blah, blah, blah of this organization or this church or this neighborhood or but, but you gotta have somebody in place who is able to be relational with the people because a leader's ability to lead is compromised 
when they can't directly access relationship with the people they call themselves leading or don't have access to someone who is, right? So I, I, I appreciated that about Azogi for sure. Like I'm looking at the time, like how this going on so fast? There's so much more to talk about. But um, one criticism that I, um, I was seeing that people were saying, albeit I think this criticism came from people who didn't actually watch the movie, <laughs> was this... Um, this idea that the movie was not being honest or truthful about the history of the Dahomey in the European slave trade. All I'll say is, I think if you see the movie, I think they addressed it. Story is about time and place. It didn't say it was going to give you a historical overview of the entire dynasty of the Dahomey. It was telling a particular story at a particular time and place, and it addressed the, the past, the history of of slave trading with Europeans as well as where they were hoping to go so we ain't even got to spend that much time on it but I think it 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 just goes to show um wherever we are like when you declare a thing to be true the brain stops taking in data openly and I just want people to be open to the fact that a criticism that comes particularly from someone who hasn't seen the movie. I'm not saying don't take it in, but don't make a definitive statement necessarily off of that one thing. I'm not even going to name this specifically, but there's a documentary coming out on November 12th. (laughs) When I saw it, like my whole body and brain was like, shut that down. Cause I don't like the person who's doing it. But then I had to go like, but can you do what you say needs to be done to me? So I am going to watch the documentary openly, knowing that everything in my body is pulling me towards, I don't like this person. I don't like what you stand for. None of that. But I want to practice because that's what it is. It takes practice to be open enough to say, let's take in the information. No one is going to come from one point, but I can't say, don't just listen to a criticism from somebody who haven't seen the movie and have integrity knowing that last night I looked at this thing and I was doing the same thing. So I'm saying I want to practice too, but that was another criticism that I heard that I wanted to highlight. Have y'all heard any other criticisms of the movie from people who have or have not seen it? Mainly um, very, very small amount, but of uh, what you just said, like, and don't quote me because this is just me here and stuff, but like, Apparently the women were actually enslaved during that time. So to show them as warriors is kind of, uh, you know, not telling the whole truth. And um, I don't know, just a lot of stuff like that. And it's like you said, one is it's a film and two it was never to depict, from my understanding, it wasn't to depict like, like you said, the entire dynasty. It was just like, it's, it's a movie. Mm. why can't we celebrate and these were from people like you said in the communities like let's just celebrate like I I didn't and and maybe I don't maybe I'm not educated enough to see how that could have you know been harmful to you know but I didn't see the harm so um again but that I'll accept that as just me maybe not Mm -hmm. and it could have been an outright fabrication in the movie but there was a point in the movie where it said yeah if you want to go you can go like we're not requiring this lifestyle of you. Now that doesn't say if they didn't go where they were, some one character stayed, but they say, where else I'm gonna go, right? So I, I, I do appreciate that. I I think ultimately um, it feels 
So sometimes when things like this happen, there's a conversation around like, like there's a comparative thing that comes up like, oh, so now we want to be extremely historically accurate and we want to say that this is not, but what about that over there? And I think that just takes us in circles oftentimes. And we're a culture of circles. Like we want to talk around in circles. I will ultimately say that there were maybe three times in the movie where I either outright cried or could have cried. And the could have wasn't that I stopped myself, but just just these parts that touched me deep down. One is when they were preparing to go to battle and there is this combination of song, dance, movement. And you just see these black women on the screen moving in unison. They oiled up. I was like, it's the sexiest thing I've ever seen without being sexual. Like, it was just like, I I was in the movie theater by myself, seriously. Like, can we rewind that part? I mean, ain't nobody else in here. Like, <laughs> can, I just want to see that part. It was, it, it spoke deeply within me. Um, and that scene alone, I thought like, this is powerful. How many people will get to see themselves reflected? How many people will get to see that scene and see something they've never seen before? Whether it's someone who identifies with the characters on the screen or not. Um, So it was extremely powerful. I can't stop us without one criticism I have. And it's not of the movie. It is specifically of Google. I was so mad when I... So because I wanted to make sure I got the characters' names right, I Googled The Woman King. So the movie, you know, Woman King movie 2022 comes up, you click it, and then it has where you can like click overview, showtime, cast. And so I click on cast and I wish this was a video just so I could show y'all. So it has a row of three um, headshots of the actors who are playing the characters and then the characters the actor's name, and then the character they played. And I'm on my phone, so you can only see nine people when you first click on this. Three rows, three columns of three rows. The first person you see is Viola Davis. She plays Naniska. That makes sense to me. She's the main character. The actor next to her is Hero Fiennes, Tiffin. He plays Santo Fiera. Do y'all know who that is? No, you don't know who it is because he was the only white man in the movie. Of course. I was so pissed. I'm still pissed off that this white man (laughs) who has the smallest role is the second picture on my phone. What are you saying to me right now? Like of all the characters in this movie, that is so when we start talking about structural racism folks this is the shit i'm talking about there is no way period i literally i was like okay hold on hold on maybe they went alphabetical order no this is not alphabetical order (laughs) this is a deliberate attempt to move up a white face And I think there, there will be many reasons that one would do that, but it pisses me off because his role is so small and insignificant 
that he comes before all the other main characters. So I don't think anybody listening to this podcast rolls their eyes at structural oppression. If you roll your eyes at structural oppression, you're not listening to my podcast. You listening to somebody else's. So I will try to remember that there's no need to preach the heads off of the choir. But I will say this is one subtle way in which it exists. If you, I start following um, a lot of the, the actors. Homeboy don't even be at the premieres, okay? (laughs) you ain't even important enough for them to be like hey yo come to london with us (laughs) but you number two on google like get out of here so take a breath girl it's okay i'm okay i'm all right y'all but like i i was okay i was i am still very livid about that um because i think it 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 tells a story it tells a very important story about how the systems will infiltrate even beautiful moments and stories like this to prioritize whiteness um, in a way that just really, really frustrates me. Of course, I had to look that up. And yes, I, it, is he the slave? Yes. Uh, okay, because he didn't even, first of all, he didn't look like. I know, you know, they, they had a good makeup crew. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even, which, and to your point though what what you were saying i enjoyed that there were hardly any white people in the film right. <laughs> and there was a and if you need to edit this it's fine but i still want to share it um there was a part where with um one of the slave captures and it might be this guy was getting beat with his own chains and i was like mm, that's deep <laughs> mm-hmm. i thought that was a very interesting part that they um <clears throat> put in there but yeah I, I I definitely hear you and everything that you were just saying yeah so glad I could get that off my chest uh, <laughs> um there are so many things like I, I feel like we could talk and we probably will continue offline <laughs> to talk about so many things um I will say that I my experience of the movie has been enhanced by following some of these people on social media um i let me see if i can find her real quick but um the woman who trained them uh to fight and to do the weapons and everything i started following her and she talks about like their their they go through like their workouts and stuff like that and when i tell y'all i'm looking like ooh that's a lot but it brought up to me how we can go watch the movie and we can become so empowered, right? Yes, look at that. Oh, I also like the fact that it wasn't even that many light-skinned chicks in the movie. <laughs> like, I liked it. Like, I saw one, it was kind of jarring. Like, what you doing? All right, I guess it's just one, right? And I'm talking about my complexion. <laughs> so I'm just like, look, I love it. But you see it and you get empowered. Like, there's something that shifts in us. We stand taller. But please believe that take work. It took work in the movie. They showed us everything they had to go through in the movie. And then following kind of the story of the making of the movie, you realize how hard they had to work because they did their own stunts. The 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 uh, the producer, director, um, Gina, she didn't want to use stunt doubles. And so like how hard they had to work and how deep they had to 
um, go, I think that's important too. Cause sometimes we look at this stuff and, and we just think like, Ooh, I'm empowered. But if nothing else, it only empowers you to do your own work because when it comes down to it, um, the movie is wonderful. It's a wonderful accelerant, I believe, to doing your own work, but can't nobody do it for us. And so I, I think that's that's super dope. And just a reminder, I'm pretty sure Viola Davis is 57. Six, 57. She was 56 when she was doing, because she kept saying 56 when she was doing those workouts. Yeah, to your point of that. So if that ain't motivation. <laughs> Seven years. To make this movie. Mm-hmm. Seven years, you said? Mm-hmm. It was written over 10. And they couldn't find anybody to give them the money they needed to do it. I think a big catalyst for this was Black Panther. Right? But the thing is, we can say how amazing it is, but it's been amazing. But people don't care about amazing stories about us unless they know it's going to turn a big profit. And so I think that's, that's another thing for the longest they were saying, they were saying, nobody wants to see this, but we do want to see it and we need to see it. But that's also how that big machine works. So yeah, this, this wasn't no overnight. People start thinking like, oh yeah, nothing about it is quick. It wasn't, I don't think they portrayed a quick, um, a quick storyline, even within the movie, all the work that they had to put in all the things that they needed to do. Um, I need to stop talking because every time I say something, I think of something else. But when they they had to go through this performance, the New Warriors, when they did it in front of the king, and there was a point where Nawi, who's one of the main characters, is going through, but her friend gets stuck, and she goes back to help her friend. And as they're watching, you know, Izogi and Aniska, they're like, "Oh no, don't go back!" You know. So she goes back, and when she finishes, they ask her like, "You could have lost, like going back," but she said, "But I want her to be here." And in order for her to be here, she got to pass the test. And I, I think that was key. Some of us, we run in the race. We're strong. We're fast. We're going through the obstacles. We're taking the hits as they come. We're, we're doing the thing. But there is something about being able to turn and look back and help other people come through as well because exploitative capitalism and white supremacy and all these other systems would have you to believe that the journey is about getting to the top but then they want to also tell you that it's lonely on top it don't got to be lonely on top if you bring people with you the loneliness at the top is often a self-imposed loneliness because we have ascribed to the thought process and the behavioral patterns that we got to that we got to step on other people to get where we're going instead of being relational and realizing that we can help each other along the way. So I just think like we could dissect <laughs> this, this movie for so many things, but if nothing else, I say, man, if you ain't seen it, please, please, please um, go see it. You don't have to arrive at the same conclusions that we do, but I, I think it's worth seeing. Do y'all have any closing thoughts that y'all want to share? I just appreciate you um, using your platform to to do this. I think this is beautiful. It allows, like, you know, we, we talk amongst ourselves about, you know, movies and stuff and um, books and different things like that. But being able to share out, I think, is, is good. 
So thank you. Of course. Yeah, and I was going to add that too, that having these conversations with other Black women and after you see it also has felt important as well. So definitely go see the movie, but definitely talk to other Black women about their experience with it as well. Absolutely. And what I want to say, like, um, to my listeners as I wrap, as we start wrapping up is, um, I used to be extremely performative. Um, and so even when I was well-intended and I think coming from a good place, I did so many things so that it could be seen. I, I, I wanted people to know my intent, my goodness. So I was very performative. I share that because as I un, as I as I've been working to undo some of those patterns and cycles, one of the things that I love the most about myself is I I do do the things I talk about, and you know, Kara Dieza and I, we meet weekly to just kick it. No agenda, no leader, no whatever. We just or we're in relationship with each other. And this came about because like every time we are together, we'd be like, man, we should have been recording this. Cause not even like for other people, just so we can come back and listen to it. And so we just, you know, so with the movie, we like, what you got? I'm like, nah, we're going to record this one. Um, and it has been one of the, um, I don't know, like one of the consistent things that has brought me so much joy and peace in this stage of my life is just knowing that I have a soft place to land to just be me and we are just going to kick it and we we are completely just us. I think there are people out there who are listening, no matter how you identify, you need community because you're a human. And sometimes we think that is very formal. Oh, I need to go find a place or I need to find this group that's already established or I need to do this. Pick a time on the calendar, put it on there and it might just start with one person. You know, it started with Kara and me meeting and Kara and Deaza talking. And then Kara was like, man, they need to know each other, <laughs> right? So then she connects us and we serendipitously, if you will, see each other in a place that neither one of us would have normally been. And we like, man, this is cool. So we start, and so we just start meeting together. And that I believe is a beautiful organic way that that deep community um, gets established. And, and then we're just committed to maintaining it. So I hope not only that the conversation and the content today, but just the fact that, you know, we ain't coming on here trying to be performative. Like this is a Tuesday. <laughs> this is a Tuesday night for us. Um, uh, even though it's Sunday morning. But anyway, the whole thing is um, I appreciate you, my listeners. Um, and while this one felt different, it felt so good just to like talk um, about something that has been impactful for me and hope that uh, it was impactful for y'all. So I don't think I have my traditional closing this time. I just want to say um, I got a Patreon. I'm going to keep saying that, though. Uh, if you tune in <laughs> multiple times a week and you benefit from this, please know that while it costs you nothing, it costs me and my family a lot. And so I would appreciate your support. But even on that, 
Patreon got some dope content, y'all. Content that I'm not putting out nowhere else. And I'm just like, man, this is good. So um, that's it. Don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets and all that good stuff. And we will talk to y'all later. Be well. <laughs>